We have the great Brian Kilmeade uh, on the line, nationally syndicated author, co-anchor of uh, Fox and Friends, and uh, a guy that has a resume longer than could be listed in only a four-hour program. Brian, it is great to talk with you as always. Thanks for joining us. What's going on, Frank? How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Maybe not as good as you. I don't know that uh, that anybody uh, that just anybody can say that uh, they were satirized on Saturday Night Live, but you can. I mean, I know they were taking kind of a shot at you and your colleagues, but I have to think that's pretty flattering. I don't know. Um, it's just to me, I, I, they, they become like a news organization. I, I mean, it's it's like MSNBC, you know, with a laugh track. So I, I, you know, I, I remember when they first did it, I would in the middle of these skits, I'd be getting text messages from people I never heard of. You know, I guess about 10, 12 years ago, they started with this. And uh, now it's at the point where, I mean, I, I waited to the next to the next day. And I before I got a few people say, hey, you know, you're an SNL. I, I think that. I don't really think it's flattering to it. I'm not upset by it. It's kind of indifferent. I didn't think it was funny. Uh, it is just to me. I'm thinking to myself, that's the Colbert Kimmel right. uh, uh, formula of pretend as if it's funny, but you're really trying to make a political point. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think it's still kind of cool. Uh, if a show with the history of Saturday Night Live, if you could be made fun of by them, I don't know. I think that's kind of neat. But uh, I get, I totally get where you're coming from. That they used to make fun of everybody, and now it's just totally a yeah. a, a one sided affair. Hey, I know you were back in Florida uh, again this week, and uh, I, I mean, I know that a lot of New Yorkers like going down to Florida, but it seems like you're in Florida all the time now. You did a great show from from Tampa. Uh, tell me what you're hearing from the folks on the ground there about what's happening in the country, either legislatively in Washington or as we gear up for the 2024 presidential race? Well, I mean, uh, the reason I went down is uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, we wanted to go, uh, you know, we're trying to get him on the weekend show, and he said, when my book comes out, we'll do it. So we went back to his field in which he, they uh, qualified for the Little League World Series. The Massapequa people know what that's like. When you qualify, it, it changes the whole town. It was 1991 when he did it. So we went back to the field in which he did it, and then we, we walked on that field. He insisted on going to the same field that he practiced with, that his parents uh, brought him to every single day, that they practiced three times a day. You know, when you make those Little League All-Star teams and you compete regionally, you got to sometimes you give up your whole summer, so your parents. So he went back there, and we found in his Little League office, we found the 1991 signed photo uh, when they went to Williamsport and, and the team, and it was just funny to see – him back there. And then we had a serious conversation. You'll see that Saturday and, and some of it on Monday, and you're going to hear it unedited on the radio. Uh, where we talk, just talking about a guy that's probably two months away from declaring for the presidency, what his take is. And uh, we actually even had a catch on it on his field. We supplied the mitts, but we had to take them back. So instead of just missing a day of work with radio, you can bring it. So I brought it to Tampa. We had a local affiliate down there and was able to do it from a local diner on Fox and Friends. And what I'm finding is Seventy uh, percent of every crowd that we go into is from another state, and they have moved mm-hmm. there recently. Thirty percent, hey, I've been here for a while, or I, I bought in 2012, but the rest have, have made a choice to be down there. And I thought one of the most insightful things was from this guy from Texas, and he goes, you know, I've had a place here forever because I love boating, and I go to Texas because I live there full time. I said, yeah. And he said, my message is stop coming. And I said, what do you mean? He said. Change where you live. Huh. Don't just move. So 
It is true. I thought about that, too. The more you think about it, if we just keep moving away from the problems, you can become an increasingly divided country. It would be great to sit there and say, I'm, you know, I'm going to put people in office and I'm going to stop uh, raising taxes that are going to stop jamming this curriculum down this next generation's throats that's going to be a little bit less anti-American, that's going to make things a little bit more liv- uh, livable instead of politically correct. And when people see this, they throw up their hands and say, I, you know, I, I can't handle New York City's politics. I mean, why is Lee Zeldin not the governor here? Maybe because so many people left New York that they, they went somewhere else because they were fed up. And now they're talking about raising taxes again. Now you got the federal government is going to now look to raise taxes to 40 percent. So now it's for the upper brackets. People make, I guess, over 400,000. Congratulations. Now, every $10 you make, you give four of it to the federal government. And who knows what the local government in New York is going to take. And the city government's going to take, why would anybody who likes their money stay in a country and a state, not a country you can't do anything about, but a state that wants to take it all, even though you're working twice as hard and it costs more to live here? Well, and, you know, to your point about uh, country you can't do anything about, we actually have in recent years seen a a lot of Americans renouncing their citizenship for these tax havens uh, abroad and becoming citizens of other countries uh, to reduce their their tax burden. I think that was at least part of the reason that uh, Gerard Depardieu and Steven Seagal ended up uh, up, uh, calling themselves former Americans. It is interesting. Hey, do do you think, first of all, I love what you said about um, Curtis Lee always uses the phrase improve, don't move, about staying where you are and improving yeah. your own community. And I think it applies to a lot more than just politics. I think the same could be said for education. It could be said for uh, local yeah. civic engagement, local churches, everything. And I think if everyone took the approach, let's improve our neighborhood, our block, our town, our city, our state, rather than run away from our city's problems, I think the everybody would be much better off, irrespective of, uh, of folks' politics. But given all the amount of time that you've uh, spent in Florida these days, do you think Florida has moved from being a purple state, a swing state, to being a permanent red state? Because the numbers that DeSantis ran up in that governor's race last year certainly looked that way. Yeah, well, it was interesting because I was in, believe it or not, Tampa is... Democrat. They have a they have a Democratic mayor who ran on a post, so it traditionally does go to Democrats. However, in this last election, it went to DeSantis, and what people are looking at is they're not saying what a charismatic guy he has, you know, what he is. They're not saying you know uh, look at uh, look at all the things, you know, look at what a great speaker he is, look at how he raised our profile. They just say look how we made our life better, and what they do, they remember is they were able to get back to normal as quick as possible, and they were able to get their kids back in school, and he watched their back when all these other waves came in, and he said, no, these are the rules we're sticking it out. Remember, they were looking to vilify him nationally every time those numbers went up, and the parents had their choice. They said, yeah, I send my kid to school, or I could could keep him home or her home, and they appreciated that. It was on pure performance that they did it. So I do think that it is red. But if you have a poor-performing Republican governor go in there, it, it will begin to switch. I mean, it will. they, they want people to get things done. 
So, and if you start taking that away, or if you if you if you're the next Republican in there, and you and you want to act like what many people perceive as Democrats, that would switch the two. But they did say when Governor DeSantis took over, there were a hundred thousand more Democrats and Republicans, and that is basically switched. Wow. Hey, I mean, uh, obviously, I think most people view Ron DeSantis as a likely candidate for for president next year, even though he hasn't officially announced. He's doing everything that uh, presidential candidates do. He's raising money nationwide. He's written the book. He's going city to city around the country. Someone else that has been talked about out of Florida as a presidential candidate is the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez. He's viewed as a rising star in GOP circles. And even though he he might not be a household name the way Trump is and even maybe the way DeSantis is. I'm wondering if people should be taking his prospective candidacy seriously. What do you know about the Miami mayor, uh, Francis Suarez? It's, I'm so interesting because I have not heard from him lately, but every time I did talk to him, I did this thing for What Made America Great called the, it's the most successful immigrant story that nobody talks about is what happened in Little Havana. Where these Cubans in the 1960s came here running from communism and these doctors would do, would do anything. They would do your laundry. They would clean your house. Uh, they would put a roof on your uh, building just because they wanted to be successful. And they, they rallied together, stuck together. And Little Havana is now a powerful political organization, successful area, uh, a thriving community. And he is an example of that. His, his parents came here fleeing Fidel Castro. And people love him in that area. And he also made that that, that – uh, the Silicon Valley of Florida, and he keeps on inviting these companies there and says, no taxes, get out of that hellhole in San Francisco, and a lot of them are coming. And they and they did note that he took an, took a salary in Bitcoin. I don't know how happy he is now about that, <laughs> but he does not get along with the governor. So I also know Rick Scott doesn't get along with the governor. So there is a faction within the Republican Party, including Governor Sununu, that doesn't get, they would have no problem running against DeSantis should he get in. So and I don't think Suarez is necessarily anti or pro Trump. He's kind of in the middle. So there might be a lane for him. I'd be very curious to see if he gets in there. So it would be interesting to have a Cuban. You have an Indian, another Indian governor uh, of Indian descent, uh, an African-American. I'm sorry. What's the party of diversity? If when Tim Scott gets in, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. Yeah, and uh, they say Suarez has been taking meetings with people like uh, Robert Kraft and uh, Larry Fink, uh, the former governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker. I think he'd be a, a really interesting candidate. Although, I mean, I think it's going to be very, uh, very difficult to break through with uh, Trump and DeSantis getting all this free media uh, attention. Do you subscribe, Brian? You mentioned the growing Republican. Republican field on the presidential front. Do you subscribe to the conventional wisdom that the more presidential candidates there are that are not named Trump, the better it is for Trump because they divide the anti-Trump sure. vote? You do. Yeah, absolutely. And you heard Governor Hogan over the weekend. Uh, you know, there's not much momentum for a moderate uh, governor who doesn't look like a print model uh, going for the nomination. So he says, you know, I'm going to stay out. And Governor Sununu told me uh, on the side about three weeks ago, and I think he might have said it on camera, that there's going to be a big push in the Republican Party. If you don't have a shot, get out. Uh, they're going to gang up on you. Remember how Kasich got, had no momentum. He just wanted to try to win Ohio where he was governor and successful, and he hung out. He won one state by one point, and he just hung around and hung around. And then same thing with Senator Ted Cruz had no shot. He kept hanging around. 
Uh, and they said that if you just kept one, if there was just one, it would have been a lot harder. You know, Rubio got knocked out in Florida. Jeb Bush got knocked out almost right away. So it left, it, left the nomination for Trump. Now, the thing is, I think that Trump is defying all expectations. I, I think that he is doing better than anyone thought. I think his message is, I am your retribution. His speech the other day for 90 minutes where he talked about what he did, not uh, the 2016 win or the 2020 loss, I thought it was very intriguing for a would-be opponents. And I also talked to somebody very close to Trump who said to me that he told him not to run. He said, you know, you, the country's never going to vote for you. You only got the Republican Party in your base, and he's not going to hear any of it. And then he talked to DeSantis, and he said, if you don't start hitting back, he will define you as an incarnation of Paul Ryan hmm. and Jeb Bush and George Bush, and you will not be, by the time you announce, you'll be dead on arrival. Now, one thing I did ask him yesterday, and you'll see over the weekend, is are you worried about being defined? And he laughed, Governor DeSantis, and he said, how could people define me? You already see my record. So you see what I'm doing. People say I'm Paul Ryan or, or Jeb Bush. It doesn't even, doesn't even make sense. But I think when it comes to marketing and labeling, no one's better than Trump. But also nobody's tougher than DeSantis. Maybe Trump, uh, but just as tough. Um, it's going to be interesting, just a lot younger with the military and Ivy League background. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting, but I do think the bigger the field, the better it is for Trump because nobody has as many supporters as him. And I think that if there's a clear choice, uh, Trump could be in trouble. But he is, much, Frank. I don't know how you feel, but I think he's much more formidable than we than many people, including me, thought he was in January. No, I mean, um, you know, people were were counting on two hands the number of indictments that he was going to have to run for president under, and now it doesn't look like that's going to be a, a hurdle at all. It's uh, it's fascinating. Uh, it's fascinating to watch. But um, I, l- let me ask you also before we uh, before we let you go, and I know you got a busy day on uh, Fox and Friends and on your nationally syndicated radio show, and I want to ask you what you have planned. You are a sports authority. You're all also a uh, an expert in branding and communication in messaging in leadership what is going on with this tiger woods scandal a big story in the new york post today involving tiger woods and his ex-girlfriend i mean i read yesterday that tiger woods is the second highest paid athlete of all time i gotta think that he needs this like a hole in the head what's your read on this situation Unbelievable. I mean, can this guy, his personal life is such a mess. You'd think that he, you're learning in your 20s, in your 30s. I mean, it was just a few years ago when we saw him unconscious at a light. Right. Uh, with the car running all smashed up, and then we found out he had a drug problem. And then he gets in that other horrific accident because he's, uh, let's just be the take the politically correct answer and just say he was in a massive rush in the morning, drives off a road, and sh- should never have survived. Thankfully, he did has a horrific car crash, you think to himself, you know, what kind of personal decisions are you making? And now we find out the girlfriend who people that knew him said that this girl is just perfect for him because she just looks out for him, couldn't care less about the fame, used to work at his restaurant, and they got a chance to know him then, and, and they had a friendship, and they started dating. Now we find out that she was lured out of the house and then thrown out of the house, not allowed back in even to get her stuff. And now she wants to break her, break her non-disclosure agreement and come out and talk about how abusive Tiger was. I mean, this is unbelievable. Number one, if she is making it up and no one has any idea if it's true or not, uh, what a terrible judge of character. And if she's not right. breaking it up, 
how could we ever give him another chance after right. this? She's saying he's abusive to her. Well, we don't know what that means. Could be verbal abusive, locking her out of the house abusive. But we don't know anything else after that. So here we are. We like the father-son thing. His son's emerging as this great golfer. We see what a great parent he seems to be. And we, we see how the, the next generation says he inspired us. And the kid that was... Uh, looked at as an arrogant young man who never, who thought he was better than the field, now is all of a sudden embraced, and then this happens. So, uh, again, uh, personal decisions people make. We don't know the, the details, but uh, he, as great as he is on, as spectacular he is at times in golf, he's that spectacular of a failure personally, and um, it's up to him to work it out, but he's Oof. doing it. This is the old time. This is the 1980s when Tyson and George Steinbrenner and we will used to watch all this controversial behavior take place in the back pages of the sports pages. Tiger Woods is like the last one left. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. Uh, lastly, Brian, radio, television, and the weekend, what do we have coming up for? What's in store? I'm going to break down the GOP side with Jared, uh, Gerard Baker uh, of the Wall Street Journal, Jonathan Ward. He talked about the China threat, wrote a book about it, best-selling, next generation. We got the threat assessment yesterday on Capitol Hill. All the intelligence apparatus heads were there talking about what we should fear of China and what they're up to, and they did it in front of the public. Uh, Carol Markowitz on why she what we just talked about. The New York Post writer who who was so sick of having her kids locked out of school, she moved to Florida and continues to write for the New York Post and wrote a book about it. Uh, what the big difference is as a parent, not mm. as a journalist. So she's going to be joining us and taking everybody's calls too. So that's terrific. Uh, I know Carol, and she's a great person. We miss her in New York. Uh, please give her my best. You got it, Frank. Thanks so much. Thank you. Brian Kilme. Check him out at Fox and Friends on his own nationally syndicated radio program as well. One of the best guys around. Hey, if you want to be heard for 15 seconds, you can. 800-848-9222. We'll do 15 seconds of fame in a moment. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.